I'm not making that T-shirt. Well, that's okay. It's available on T Public. Yeah, you oh. know what? I got to start my own channel. Fine. Vlargs rejects. <laughs> it's all the shit Vlarg says no to. I'm gonna put up there. That's a lot. That's a lot of yeah. shit. That's a full time job. How do I make money? Volume. It's <laughs> <laughs> got a point. Yeah. Moist brings him in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Heather going to send them out. <laughs> there, 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 what is it about that word? What is it I about? Don't I don't know. I don't know that either. word. It's like a misophonia bullshit thing where people just hate the word. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I got two people that 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 like go into like, you know, the, the uh, yes, dance yes, when they hear it. Yes, me too. And I it's know. like, dude, it's just, the, it's just moist. There's no reason yeah. to have Describing a little dance about it. Describing a good it. cake. Yeah. And other moist things, or Kansas humidity. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what? It is? Someone said it was gross, and then they just associate it with it being. Gross. I, I, think I, I feel like is. it got written into like a novelization or something, like one of those romance <laughs> novels that were really popular in the eighties and nineties. Is that why? Okay. Like, no, and, and no. that just carried over. Shenanigans. How can a romance novel make moist a bad word? Maybe just letter. <laughs> maybe maybe not a romance novel. Maybe letters to penthouse or something. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but uh, literally, the guy next to me in a show, uh, who played one of the Captain Americas in the Rogers the Musical. Ah. Um, he hated, and again, he would just do the <laughs> dance anytime he'd hear the word. So anytime he left his his spot, I you know I had to go wash my hands or something. I would go wash my hands, and of course, have a moist paper towel, and I would just leave it there, and then write in kind of moist looking letters, moist on it, and just wait for him to come back. I don't think I've ever heard a, a sentence with the word that many times in a single said run. In, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's uh, public speaking uh, skills, man. You got to learn how to say moist, moist, moist. See, now that's okay, that, there. No, <laughs> I, that's, that's the one. There. Now I do the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention, but I did get a tingle. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 705. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Blarg. With Professor Biggs. <laughs> We're here to talk week and geek, and wow, Biggs, your, your level. You just blew it all out. <laughs> He's there. Biggs, folks. Well, since half the time you can't hear a word I'm saying, I figured I might as well yell well, it across there, the room to make sure it picks up on somebody else. It's not that mind. we can't hear what you're saying. We're just not listening. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> well, first uh, off, if you are a first listener to us, hi, welcome. We're Geek Shock. We've been here for ages. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> but, we, but we've been waiting for you. Thank you for giving our show a little, little chance. And and we enjoyed meeting you at FanX, and we hope that you continue to listen. And if you like the show, check out our Kofi ko-fi.com slash geekshock, where you get all sorts of good bonus stuff. But that introduction out of the way... Hi, Kofi members. We love you and regular listeners, too. What geeky things did you do this week? I'm going to start with you, Vlarg. I finally finished Baldur's Gate 3. 
finished. Finished. Like, got an ending. Actually, I got two endings. Uh, one where I got a bad ending, and it was clear that it's a bad ending. Because oh. you don't get a lot of cinematics. You just get, oh, and then the world ended, and it's all your fault. Maybe try again. Uh, which took me right back to the days of choose-your-own-adventure novel, <laughs> where you know you got a bad ending. <laughs> um, but then I finished it, and I think I got the good ending. Like the best ending? Uh, it's hard to tell what the was best it a happy ending, ending is. Yeah, it was a it was a happy ending and a sad ending. And <laughs> oh, I've n- had not, plenty of those. Not like that. Let's leave the word moist out of this. Um, <laughs> it was a fulfilling. God, yeah, there's no word for it really. That's not you're not going to make dirty, isn't it? <laughs> That's because dirty. every word is dirty. It was a satisfied. No. Yes. Go. Uh, Go on, Barry. Don't stop now. Dude, I'm trying. I'm not a thesaurus. I'm only one man. Um, oh, boy. I've heard that, too. Oh, why did you say that? <laughs> I've said it plenty of times. It was a sufficient ending to the, to the story. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. that's that's wow. what I usually get. <laughs> sufficient. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. If sufficient gets you going, you're doing it that, wrong. Give me that good sufficient ending. <laughs> sufficient love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're dirty, dirty people. Sufficient yep. love. My virgin years. Um, I had a, a we, we got a good ending to the story with with lots of cinematics and to the point where I know there's lots of different endings and characters I didn't even bother to use really. But I kind of don't care. My ADHD kind of kicks in, and it's like I don't, I don't know if I. I'm not a completionist. I don't need 100% completion in a. Uh, uh, <laughs> shut up, Steve! <laughs> Try to get through this, and I'm making it dirty. <laughs> wow, I've said that too. <laughs> I'm not an achievement whore, where I need to get 100% on everything to say, okay, I'm done with this game, because I'll get bored with it at some point playing the same stories over again just to get slightly different endings i may in shut up oh my god see this is what happened when deb works <laughs> when deb's off working this this is what we get normally for people who are listening to this for the first time my girlfriend deb is here to temper and or beat steve biggs but uh, she's not here so he's just so Unsu- he, this I, is what we call unsupervised time. You know what? I'm listening to your story yeah, and really. reacting accordingly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, right. and I think accordingly had, a stretch of the word. I mean, there. I didn't even say a word. Stretching the accordion. Yeah, that pretty uh, much. That's, yeah. that's, that's okay, stretching good. it. Yeah. By the way, Todd, there's another T-shirt. Geek shock. When Deb works, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't think I'm going to be playing it again for a little while so that when I come back to it, then I can try a completely different adventure. Maybe go just straight evil murder hobo or something like that. Uh, great game. But I think I'm good for now. I think, uh, I right. think I'm happy with it. How, about how many hours did you you think you put into it? Oh, I want to say 20 or 30. Well, okay. That's uh, less than I would have expected. Yeah, I don't, I don't fuck around. Just get right to the point. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that, that that wasn't me this time. That was K. That was Kirsten. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the only other geeky thing I did was uh, the same thing that uh, Kirsten and uh, Biggs did. Played some D and D. Yeah. Some proper Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So so what is the standout of this session? What what is the session that made 
What part of the session was memorable here? Uh, I I quote uh, Deb uh, se- on several occasions. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she was rolling like crap. It was great. It's great when the DM is rolling fails constantly. And it was good for us because the, when the DM rolls like crap and the combat still takes an hour and a half, <laughs> you know that uh, you were in trouble, but somehow dodged it. All right, so just to paint the picture, Deb is DM. Yes. Right? Uh, what are you playing, Biggs? Uh, Artificer. Okay, what are you playing, Varg? A paladin of Tyr, and I speak like this the entire time. He he really does. Oh, okay. She what? loves it. Wonderful. And you, and you wonder, I don't think she does. And you, and you wonder why I don't join. Kirsten, what, what's your character? Misa play Crivo, a kobold barbarian. Oh, God, I hate Muy, muy strongo. Oh, he's playing a Gungan. <laughs> I mean, he's playing a kobold, but he plays him like a Gungan, and I hate Gungans. Well, I don't know what happened in this session, but I know already what my favorite part is. Okay, so highlight. Uh, stuff happened. Things. Okay, great. Um, so we were told to keep a low profile, and we oh, were Jesus. in this. We were in this tavern. Steve is apparently and, some kind of and, investigative guy. Yeah. Yes. Lo- uh, Llewellyn Boothroyd uh, is basically like a. He seeks information. Like that was his. That was his job. In he's. You've watched way too much Paper Chase. Yes. <laughs> And um, and so we're in this. Okay, so this is where my player thing kicks in. We're told to keep a low pro- profile. We're in a tavern, and nothing, literally nothing, is happening except Leon Mitt is playing poker with some locals who are not happy about anything. Everyone, the, all the locals in this place are just like. Ugh. Just to back up a second, folks, we are playing Doomed Forgotten Realms. Which I have to recommend heartily. Uh, you can find it on uh, DMs Guild. Cheap PDF. It's a wonderful idea. It's basically a post-apocalyptic Forgotten Realms. Where all the campaign settings went absolutely wrong and it's the it's the darkest time. Every, everything that Wizards has put out for 5e for Forgotten Realms, this guy took the worst outcome and he, he put it in this setting idea. It's wonderful, um, and that's why everybody is so ugh. doom and gloom. Yeah. yeah. So we're told to keep a low profile. Nothing's happening in this tavern. Deb keeps asking, so what do you do? And everyone's like, well, we're told to keep a low profile. So I was just like, I'm just going to do something. And so I went and talked to a, a guard had just walked in, one of the guards who was at the yes, gate. Yes, a guard but, who was giving us the stink eye. Yeah. So Steve was like, I'll talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so I did and, of course, let it slip that uh, it that slip. my uh, that my seven-foot uh, robot that's standing out in front, it works in part due to magic, which magic hasn't really existed in this. It's since, been like dead for 15 years. For something. 15 years. And so the guy was all magic. And I was like, well, at the, and of course I was like, oh, that's right. Oh, magic. And, <laughs> it, it, I mean, Low it's profile. Ho- yeah. It's hardly more than a card trick at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well, I, I might as well ask you, is this your card? And and the guy's all right. Yeah, and uh, low and, profile. And he's like, and what are you doing? Oh, I'm selling my wares. Oh, so who do you sell them to? Well, like your commander might be interested. Oh, sure, I'll tell my commander. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, uh, otherwise, it was one of those things where, well, can we fast forward then? Because we're just kind of sitting there. And everyone's told to keep a low profile, so nobody's doing anything. She was waiting for one of us to do something dumb. As if on cue, you <laughs> stepped up to the plate <laughs> and did something dumb. Even Tim. You're welcome. Even Leon Mitt, he, he said, I'm gonna tr- I'll try to get a card game yeah. going. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but uh, Steve was like, hold my ale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to get a ball rolling of some kind, but. Anyway, there's a big fight in the end, not in the bar. Just it, yeah, she, <laughs> she builds this, and she took her time building this thing. This this giant. It was pretty nice, like <laughs> castle out of all the dwarven forge that I own, and I own a lot of it. Nice right? big, nice big fort, big oh, layout, like, like broad walls, lot covered two thirds of the table. Yeah, lots of space. Every piece of the of dwarven forge I basically own was on that table, right? And we fight right in the front. <laughs> It looked like Black Friday Walmart, (laughs) right? Everyone cramming in this door, everyone fighting right there, looking for the toaster, looking for the 55-inch Samsung. Yeah, and this isn't Deb. This is classic D&D. The DM makes this big-ass map, and all of us are in this five-by-five square. Yeah, we're just basically in the corner. Just smashing it. Just thanking Gygax that none of us have fireball. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was fun. So it, it the the this is this is a lot of fun from the 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 appealing part. Todd Barry is about the biggest Forgotten Realms geek you can have. Sure. He knows it in and out. He knows the history. He's, I do. He's super nerd. Forgotten Realms nerd. So every time she talks about something, he winces. <laughs> At one point, we're going down, and she's uh, the NPC. And God, it was great. I mean, uh, Deb led him right into it. She's like, you come in, and you see this hill with this castle, these ruins on top of it. And Barry just takes the bait, and he asks our NPC guide, you know, what's that? And like, oh, that's Dragon Spear. And Barry's like, oh. he's just like oh it's ruined oh it's just it's and i have to say it's a great idea because you don't have to be a forgotten realms uh nerd to run this much less participate yeah barry is going to enjoy it because he's going to get all those references but it's at the same time, it's something new. So I know a little Forgotten Realms. I was there at the very beginning. Steve doesn't know any, though. Tim doesn't. So, you know, we all come in and different degrees, and it's still enjoyable because uh, we're all dealing with the kind of newness of it. And if she doesn't know something, she can either make it up right there, or she can go to one of the many books on Forgotten Realms that I have and just say, okay, it's like this. Except really fucked up. Right. And she <laughs> yeah. she stresses that it is, in fact, uh, you know, very familiar to our characters. You know, this building over here, that well, that should be here. It's just a, a ruined hulk. Now, this this tavern over here is still here, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So It's basically uh, everyone's Jimmy Stewart in uh, Pottersville. Because <laughs> we all get that. Yeah, everyone gets that reference. Real... Really, it's the, it's the darkest timeline. If you if you watch Community, how about that? Here, oh, here you go. It it for for recent 
geek history, it's like Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Steve and I saw. Yep, on the big screen. Oh. The original. Nice. Yes. You know, let's go ahead and skip to that. Tell yeah. me about <laughs> Terminator on the big screen. That's actually really awesome because it hasn't been on the big screen like in any form or fashion in decades. Jeff, I've never seen it on a big screen. Yeah, I was out of the most, country at the time. Most people haven't. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Like Hardly anybody actually saw it in the theater oh. in its original run. Oh, yeah. dude. Uh, they did remaster the sound. Because uh, as uh, Jeff would probably tell you if you were watching, and and my old buddy Vernon would have definitely told you, the original sound was in mono. Yep. Uh, but they 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 did up the sound. But they did like a, a at one point they did like a pseudo stereo for yeah. like the DVD or something like that. Oh, but it wasn't great. My boy, the original did I was hear mono. about yep. that. Holy shit! But this was this looked good. Yeah, I really just it was really cool just seeing it on the big screen. Oh, I, I would have loved it. I, I I even uh, it's the way movies are meant to be seen. Yeah, it was just it was tremendous. So I really did enjoy watching that. Does it hold up? Yes. Um, it, it really does. I mean, it's a time capsule so far as mid-80s fashion. And right. Yeah. That oh, kind that, of thing. And, that and, and the hair. And oh, the my hair. God. Yeah. I love the hair. What, what punks are supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, it. Well, uh, and even the tough guy, biker, gangster guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like, wow, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got a uh, major attitude problem, man. <laughs> One thing that struck me this time watching it was, hmm. Linda Hamilton's not quite the actress that she eventually grows into. <laughs> oh, she's she's very um, green. amateur. Yeah, yeah, very green. Proto so. Linda Hamilton. Yes, proto proto well, Linda Hamilton. It's exactly. funny you say that too because I was watching uh, somebody had unearthed some deleted scenes or whatever that they claimed would quote add to the story, and I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, okay, I know why Cameron cut these scenes now because. Oh, there were some cringy interactions between her and Michael Bain, and it just is like, why is she responding like that? Why that? Why is that the response to his, you know, his description or this story or whatever that he was telling? And then of course he turns around and has this really cringy response to, you yeah. know, how she's reacting to the trauma that she's going through. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is a much better scene to be left on the cutting room uh-huh. floor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, you know, uh, again, I'm a big, <laughs> those of you who don't know, I'm a big Superman fan, especially the Superman 1978, the first Christopher Reeve movie. And when they, you know, when they would show those movies first run on TV, they would often add yes. deleted scenes. And, and, and you know, so, you know, it's like, oh, deleted scenes. And you're watching it going, yeah, this adds nothing to this movie. <laughs> I, I see why this was deleted. But, of course, all my, you know, on, on my Superman collector Facebook page, everyone's rate. Oh, I got this with every every scene in it. And it's like, yeah, but that's not really a good edit. I mean. No. I can hardly wait for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, which will have an additional hour for the director's cut when it comes out on Blu-ray. That kills me. I don't understand that. You know what? I, I'm hoping it's good. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I mean, actually, the Vegas zombie movie was okay. It was very okay. It was just okay. Yeah. I What I loved, uh, what I've enjoyed about Terminator, watching it, even on the big screen, is just every time I watch it, I appreciate what Michael Bean did mm-hmm. yeah. more and more. 
I just, yeah. you know, I you really... You don't think of it as a Michael Bean movie. Yeah, and you, you don't think of you, you don't think of him, you know, really doing... Uh, you, you don't think of him just, you know, he's just at... He's... It's funny, because Terminator, you know, like, breaks this mold, because he's not even the action star. He's the hero. She's the hero, right? But, you know, it's Schwarzenegger. But what he's doing it actually is actually kind of nuanced and very intense. And I just, I love that more and more. Every time I watch it, I just love what he, what he does. So, and watching it on the big screen is just even more so. Like, even more like so. you should watch every movie on the big screen. Oh, here we go. Like House of Long Shadows. You exactly. Don't watch that. start with that. How much better would that have been really? at the no, no, Galaxy the, Theater in Recliner? Oh, yeah. No, that's the real question. How much better could it have been? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> no, it was funny because I was sitting Fair there point. watching this on the big screen, and I'm thinking of the big screen I have here at home, which, you know, hey, it's, it's no 85 inches now, but still, it's a good big screen TV. And uh, I'm just like... Uh, it, it, it's if I was to win a bajillion dollars, I would still want to have my own private theater created because the TV, even with like a good surround sound, which I don't have. But if I did it, <clears throat> it, it I have to say it doesn't really compare. No, nope. but it does have an amazing feature. Pause. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I, not- I was watching Dune in the theater, oh, like the, yeah. the latest one. And yeah. I love Dune, like, a lot. You know this. I'm a huge fan of Dune, especially the David Lynch one, and I was not going to go pee, but I had had a uh, little bit of Uh, something uh, to drink mm, beforehand, mm, and mm. I had to piss like a racehorse. See? And I had to pick my scene very carefully, and I said, okay, 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 bam, and off I was, like a... Like much unlike a race, not unlike a racehorse, to the bathroom, pee, wash my hands, dry my hands, barely, zoom back, run like crazy, and I was so out of breath. But I think I made it in like two minutes, and I was very proud of myself. I don't have to do that at home with a pause button. <laughs> I don't you, know, man. That's part of the experience. You, you <laughs> go to a movie Pissing first thing seat, in the morning. Yeah. Go to the movie nope, first thing in picking. the morning. Don't have any breakfast. Why? Don't have anything to drink. Dude, no, 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 You're no, good. no, no, no. I'm not gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have breakfast. No. If I don't have breakfast in the morning, people are gonna die. <laughs> See, I'm gonna be hungry throughout this uh, film, and well, all yeah. that's why you get the popcorn. Get the popcorn. Jesus. No, it's like it's like you've never stepped you. foot in a movie theater before. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Let's go down to the lobby. Let's, Let's go, go down, down to the, the lobby. lobby. Let's go down wow. to the lobby to put and my foot in Big's butt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Eat breakfast first. Don't go hungry. I mean, yeah, you can eat something later, but start with breakfast at least. And get the... and the Oh, the other thing, when I bought Steve the uh, big giant popcorn, he discovered the joy of refill and go home. Mm-hmm. He oh, does it now. Yep. That that was actually Ugh. I forgot. The lids is what makes it great. I All forgot. That butter makes me just. That's I don't it. do the butter. He doesn't do the butter. So you just do salt. I do whatever. Yeah, I he do just whatever. Does whatever. Right they out do. of the little bin there. Yeah. You know the, the flavored oil. Yes. That they cook it in. Yeah, but not now the, they do the cheese. Not the uh, no happy cheese. ending uh, dispenser. Yeah, no tin forty weight for me. It's uh... <laughs> making your popcorn moist. 
There it is. Yeah, There's that word. <laughs> see, moist popcorn is just. Whoa. Oh no! No, that's gross. Matter of no. fact, I have discovered that with the lid, uh, the popcorn does not go stale. Yeah, he's discovering things. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching him stuff. And Dude. the bucket barely fits in the microwave. Little he, 25 seconds. Popcorn yeah. is the Warm cheapest popcorn. thing ever. He he totally let it go stale. Totally get more. Oh no! no. What's no, wrong no. with you? He eats Ugh. that stuff the next day. Ew! He's, Ew! He's totally mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. See mm-hmm. the lid though, Barry. The oh, lid. Well, the yeah, the there lid. it is. That's what I've been missing all my life, right? Yeah. Dude, it's so lid. <laughs> Jeff, what'd you do this week? <laughs> Don't make so lit a thing. Um, it's not a thing. <laughs> the, the the most of what I've been doing is getting uh, getting. <laughs> Getting prepared so for. Fetch. <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch a thing. Uh, mostly, I've been trying to get prepared for a road trip to what? the Fan X Salt Lake Comic Con and Pop Culture Convention, Woo-hoo! September twenty first, twenty second, twenty third. Right. If you're listening to this, it's happening right now. Yeah. Maybe you should go next door if you're in Utah. Yeah. Geek <laughs> Shock's gonna have a booth there. That's Featuring right. Right between two Funko booths. Commander K, Doctor Vlarg. Professor Biggs. Don't worry. And myself. You'll hear us before you see us. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right. And Deb. And Deb. Just follow the ringing bell and the shouting of shame. uh, Deb will not be working, which means Geek Shock will be. Um, and and Master Torga, I will not be there. No. I will instead be uh, conducting the uh, board game meetup that we do for our, some of our Kofi members uh, Saturday. So if you're hearing this night, it comes out tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow. Uh, what I really did do, though, um, I went and watched uh, Equalizer three in the theaters. Equalizer three. I assume you've seen yes. one and two. Yes. Um, I can't tell you what it is I like about those movies other than it's just it's a fun little action romp uh, and watching Denzel Washington kill people in new and creative ways <laughs> it's just kind of twisted okay uh, equate it to well a it, John and it's Wick. always bad people I guess that I should I should mention that is he's killing bad people like in this in this latest one it's mafia he's winds up in this little village in Italy and He's really starting to like the place, you know, the standard trope. And then the, you know, the mob comes in and they're wanting to get people to pay them protection money. I assume that that they were already there. They hadn't really entwined themselves into this village to the extent that they started to. I know, right? (laughs) But, uh, you know, he takes it personally and then, you know, starts taking them out one by one because they crossed the line and killed the... You know the whole the whole standard trope, but it's it's a fun little movie series. I think this is going to be the last one. But sounds like an American trying leave. to push American values onto an Italian system, <laughs> right? But uh, but yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, also got caught up on the new Futurama season, which uh, how does it compare? It's still very creative in the storytelling. I will say I haven't found it quite as like laugh out loud funny as some of the previous seasons Hmm. and it's not to say that the stories aren't good it's just not as funny so i don't know that's just my opinion on it though Uh, i also really clever but not hilarious yes very clever not laugh out loud funny um i also 
got caught up on Ahsoka, which I really liked this last episode. Oh, this there last was episode was so great. So good. So good. And the visual effects and the story writing, I mean, just, just superb. If you haven't been watching this, you really need to watch it. It's a really good series. So that's mostly what I've been up mm. to. Well, Torgo, what is what has Torgo been doing? Yes. Uh, there is no Torgo. There's only Starfield. Uh, Uh oh. <laughs> it's it's, it's I, I, if you want to hear my thoughts on it, listen to the last episode. I pretty much nothing has changed. It's still everything that I want to do. It's still a Bethesda game. I love Bethesda games, and so, that's where it comes down. Oh, to. Oh, by the way, uh, real quick, uh, I think it was King Vault who said I was wrong, and maybe I'm, I was wrong that it's not coming to the regular Xbox. I it looked like when I was online. It looked like it said it was coming soon for the regular Xbox, not the Series S or X. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I think that uh, Xbox in their their overall screen pretty much has forgotten about the Xbox One. Only talks about S and X at this point. Yeah, I know. Damn. (laughs) So, yeah, Starfield is great. Still great. I'm probably about 50 hours in and, yeah, still enjoying the hell out of it. Although I will say... Uh, the story, which I kind of poo-pooed in the last part, saying that really didn't capture me, uh, eventually I hit the part where it started going, okay, now this is getting interesting. <laughs> so maybe I just didn't was going off and doing my own adventures too much without paying attention to front story. I will say, again, if you're playing it, definitely play the main story for at least a little while just to open up the things you should open up. You're going to miss part of the game by not doing so. So is it... I asked you part of this last time, and I'm going to clarify my question. For factions, if you join a faction, does that mean that shuts out any hope of you joining another or opposite faction later? I don't think so. I have a feeling that that's not going to be such an issue. But I haven't tested that. The only faction I've really joined is the Freestar Rangers, which is basically the old sheriff, old West Marshals. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. In space. And so that has been very, very fun because I was like, oh, I, now I feel like doing Westerns. And now I'm doing Western board games. So it all, apparently I'm on a tear. <laughs> Uh, I but I did want to test out because one of the big background stories of the thing is this massive civil war between humanity between uh, the free free star planets and then the United Colonies those basically the two factions that humanity split off when they left Earth uh, now they're at a truce and a, an uneasy one but uh, but civil uh, but they are kind of at odds with each other so I, I do want to go and go to the colonies and go, hey, can I join your police team too? And see what they say. So, mm. so I just wonder if it's going to be like Skyrim, where you end up being like the king shit of all these different factions. You could very well be. I know you can join pirates. So Which is goofy. Because yeah. you're like, oh, I'm the Archmage arc of the College of Winterhold. I'm the leader of the Thieves Guild. I'm the leader of the Assassin's oh, yeah. Guild. I'm the leader of this, the Companions. Oh, yeah, you're full on a Jerry Sue. No doubt about it. Yeah, Jerry Sue. That's funny. Uh, but uh, another thing I want to bring up that I've really, really enjoyed and uh, didn't have time to bring it up last week, so I'm bringing it up this week. Uh, I played a board game from 2018 that is absolutely my cup of tea, and it has absolutely no screw-your-neighbor aspects to it. What? So, what? So right Who now, you? have I caught your attention? You have. Yeah. Uh, it's a game from 2018 called Quacks of Quenlinburg. It is a bag builder game. 
you're not familiar with the term, it is uh, if you've done a dice builder or a deck builder where you're you've got a everybody has a starting set of cards or a starting set of dice, and over the course of the game you're improving that set. Hmm. Well, that's this except for its tokens in a bag, and the whole idea of the game is that there is this gigantic uh, festival that happens in the center of the village where all of the alchemists get together and show off their best stuff. And each (laughs) player has uh, a pot, a cardboard pot in front of them uh, that represents the potion that they're going to build. And in the bag are all the ingredients (laughs) that you're building. And it is a press-your-luck game. Oh, nice. Which I absolutely adore. So over the course of your turn, you're pulling out ingredients to see how far you can get along this track of numbers. And the higher you get, the more victory points you'll get and more money that you'll get to spend on more and better ingredients afterwards. However, if at any point you ha- there's one ingredient in there, it's a, this white flower that basically acts as a cherry bomb. It's, it gives it extra flavor, but if you put too much in it, your potion will explode. And <laughs> the object of the game is to basically create your potion without making it explode. And if you get a total of seven of these of this particular ingredient, and each one is numbered one, two, or three, and there's multiple ones in their bag, then it explodes. And then you only get partial uh, stuff at the end of the uh, the round. And it plays over, I believe, seven rounds, if I remember right. Mm. And the stuff that the ingredients do, are it, it's just so much fun. And I love the blind aspect of just reaching into the bag and going, okay, do I take one more piece out or do I just call it here? Even though my neighbor is five steps ahead of me on theirs, it's just a fun, tense, joyful experience. The art on it is beautiful. Uh, the base game you can play with four, but there is an additional expansion which can expand all of that as well. There's two expansions out there. And I, it is just joyful. Easy enough for a, a kid to pick up if you want to play mm. with young people, but it is not in any way a kid's game. There is a, a deep, uh, crunchy game philosophy in here be behind all this uh what feels like a a frou-frou frivolous thing nice so quacks of quedlinburg i i can't recommend it enough it's really really great hey i love a deck builder and lord knows these guys do too so a a bag builder sounds good oh i forgot something i've been watching a lot of decked out a lot like an alarming amount uh, For our listeners, Decked Out is what? Decked Out is a, it's on the Hermitcraft server on YouTube. It's a, a Minecraft community, a <laughs> bunch of players. They all get together on this community called Hermitcraft. They're really professional YouTubers, and they're really, really funny, and they're really good. Um, not the cringy YouTubers where it's like, hey, like and subscribe, smash that button, burp, burp, burp. Uh, not those guys. I hate that. No, they're really funny. And this guy named Tango, he built this thing, and it's a dungeon crawling, deck building survivally type game with economy and it's um, in Minecraft and it's um, and it just launched uh, not this weekend weekend prior he's gone through one week already it's amazing and everyone's posting about it and I'm watching all the streams all the time because it's 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 the greatest thing it's a good deck builder um dude I think it you you think it the most and I know you you're familiar with it oh, I, I remember the first deck down yeah the second one is at least six seven times as big 
That thing's massive. It's massive. I, I cannot imagine. First of all, the thing is a redstone nightmare. It is massive to make that mm-hmm. whole thing work the way oh, it yeah. does. And the fact that he built it in survival is just mind-blowing. You know what else is <laughs> mind-blowing? Diggs McSmigs, who is a member of our Kofi, which for people who don't know, it's kind of like a Patreon, but better. Uh, and because you're a Kofi member, you have access to our Geek Shock Minecraft server. And he is rebuilding that thing as Tango is doing it brick by brick. Now, it's going to be real tough until they finally finish their current season so he can get the world download. But he's built the outside already. And it is ginormous. Oh, my God. He's got a lot of time on his hands, apparently. But good <laughs> on you, Diggs. Kay, what'd you do? Well, I saw Terminator. <laughs> uh, what the hell else did we watch, Steve? We watched... Um, you watched me fail at rolling dice. At uh, at this point, I feel that what they did, geek-wise, is kind of a, a, a conglomerate well, between Steve and, and yeah, Kay. Yeah, I mean, well, there's that, and then a lot of it also included Barry for the past few weeks. Yeah. So it's just been just been a big mission, mishmash of that. So it was. It, uh, we did have fun though in D and D, watching uh, <laughs> watching Barry spend his good luck rolling dice, doing power attacks, and doing really well, and then all of a sudden not doing well, and then it, getting frustrated. It was funny. It was like every other thing is like, bam! Ah, I did all this damage, but apparently what we were fighting had like. 5,000 hit points. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, I, they did, had, I did 52 damage. That and everybody was stealing my kills. I'm running around <laughs> softening up everything, and then everybody just kills something, and they get candy. Because apparently the... Is the, D&D still structured that the person that does the last hit point damage gets the XP? Uh, no, but it's structured in that the last person who does the damage gets candy. Yeah, like, we do a very Pavlovian D&D in my house. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh okay, so... If you do the final strike, you throw a piece of candy at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or and I've case, had people. Deb. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, don't <laughs> throw Deb at them. Deb throws the candy at them. <laughs> no, oh, no okay. she just throws the candy at you. I hand it nicely. Uh, she might throw it at you. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, well, maybe, but your candy ended up on the floor. <laughs> that's right. Buddy. Eat it anyway. It was still you're yummy. An oh, my God. <laughs> it lands on the floor, and Steve's like, oh, 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 and he's going to get it. And they're like, well, don't eat it. And so he oh, is it, it unwrapped? Yeah, yeah, it's an M&M. Oh, okay. I guess that's very important. Yes. 30-second rule, which actually... 30? According to studies, is like, is like a minute rule. Actually, the studies wow. also say it's like if 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 the, the environment isn't wet, you're, you're pretty much going to be yeah. okay. Yeah. Because the last thing you want is moist candy. <laughs> oh, you always just got to make it yes, dirty. The, the Me! Myth, the Mythbusters did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so people are stealing my kills, and at one point, <laughs> Barry is uh, just uh, blurring the line between character and player, and just being loud and and uh, that was the whiskey bellicose, and he's like, "I'm not stealing kills. I'm solving the problem," <laughs> which became the the one of the mottos of the night. That and Nurse Ratched is our cleric. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. What, what point, is it she said? At one uh, point, our NPC nurse, uh, nurse, uh, cleric, played by Deb, goes, uh, Anson, Anson is a 
character. Barry's character. And he's like, Anson, do you need any more healing? And he's like, well, if you're going to ask like that. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, I'm swinging a sword in battle. Do you need healing? Really? Attitude, lady. (laughs) I love that. It was just. Getting his ass whomped, and he's like, well, if you're going to ask me like that, no. for our cleric <laughs> and of course it was also a, a product of all of deb's bad bad dice rolls oh, that she, she just got more uh, every every turn so at one point at one point the same cleric was like anyone need healing and i was like <laughs> when did our cleric turn into ben stein anyone 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 Bueller. need healing Bueller. <laughs> Anybody on the verge of dying? Anyone? Any. It was hilarious. That was that was funny. Yeah, she was rolling like shit. It was it was great. Anything <laughs> else you two do? Uh, well, I could talk about only murders in the building, but that's still going on, so it's still yeah. too too recent. I'm okay. behind I on it too. I could talk about very short tracks, which have been very funny, but again, they're still running, so very that's topical. too new. Wait a minute, wait, Harley wait, wait, Quinn. Wait, 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 Harley Quinn. Nope. Nope. I'm getting through this. Harley <laughs> Quinn. Uh, uh, just ended its season and it was pretty good, but that's still too recent. What do you mean? I did go see. I did go see. Well, it's too recent. I'll, I <laughs> did go see Les Mis, but that show premiered in the mid '80s, so that's too recent. <laughs> uh, so I will talk about One Step Beyond. I've gone down the One Step Beyond <laughs> rabbit hole. This is a show that debuted in 1959. Hosted, oh, I see what he's hosted doing. Hosted and directed. Uh, by John Newland, it was allegedly based on true stories. The stories are a matter of public record, is the quote. <laughs> you mean uh, public domain? No, public record. Public record, <laughs> which basically means, which basically means they were kind of dramatizing urban legends and that kind of thing, and it was, and it's all based on paranormal activity or strange occurrences, this type of thing, and um. It is a controversial ep- show because it is, as near as we can tell, what they did with one episode was they did go to Mexico and they tried this new thing. John Newland, the host, tried this new thing called magic mushrooms. But they apparently pulled that episode from... What Steve is doing from, here is is basically ripping on me for ripping on him about <laughs> the shit that he talks about being from the 1950s and 60s. That, yeah. This is what's going on. Yes. Uh, however, funny. like all these old shows, it is fun to see people who will eventually be known for other things. Like, uh, we're, I was watching this one episode and I was like, God, this woman looks familiar, this actress... And, and I could And I'm I'm working uh, around the house, so I'm listening, but I'm not watching. And I'm going, who the hell is this? And it and it occurred to me at one point it got a nice shot, and I was, oh, it's Joanne Linville that played the Romulan commander in the Enterprise incident on Star Trek. Original and, series. Original series. And it's got a bunch of original series. Skip Homier, who played one of the servants of Vol. And also the the lead Nazi in the Patterns of Force. He he was in an episode. The Patrick, original series. Oh, you mean Voyager? Oh, dude. <laughs> uh, Patrick McNee, who went on to become John Steed on the on the actual Avengers. I don't know what this thing is with 
you know, Captain America and the Hulk and everything, but the, the one with the hat, the hat and the umbrella. Hat and the umbrella, yeah. yes. The hat and umbrella, the hat and umbrella Avengers. That's what oh, right, Fines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then again, there was another episode. I was like, God, this woman looks familiar. Because so I looked it up, the actress is Virginia Leith. She's more famous for being the head in the thing that wouldn't die. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> wow! So it's so it's been really fun. Uh, kind of again going. It, they're all available on YouTube and Tubi and everything. YouTube, I found it with original air date order. So that's been kind of fun to. Yeah, that's how that you want to watch hole. One Step Beyond. By the way, original air date. <laughs> yeah, because because so. you know it's serialized. No, one thing that was interesting about it is, you know how they talk about. Oh, you know they know about the the engine that runs on water, and uh, you know they government suppressed that. They you know oil companies totally destroyed that. Well, they actually tell the uh, urban legend story of this guy who apparently um, did that. Came did, up with did, a little... did, it actually made a proposal to the government, to some government people about it and everything. And then just like vanished, yeah. just like disappeared. Yeah. And I'm watching the episode and I'm like, okay. Now I know this is all urban legend territory, but if that played out more or less the way they've dramatized it, then I know what happened. It's a magic trick. Because the guy makes this big deal about putting his little Alka-Seltzer tablet into like a gallon of water. And then, because he doesn't want any smart chemist to figure out his formula, he dumps most of the water down the sink, most of his magic gasoline water down the sink, but leaves like a little you know thing so he can prime the engine and get it running for a few minutes. And I'm like, it's a fucking magic trick. He just swapped out the water with an actual thing of gasoline. That's what happened here. That's why they haven't been able to replicate it. That's why... Oh, God. That was, in, that was interesting. I have yeah. to say, I'm, I'm fascinated by this this series. So you say it's on Tubi and YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, free for no money. One of these things... Uh, about this truly old stuff like this, like One Step Beyond or some of the other strange happening stories and everything, is you see 70 years ago people telling stories that like, you know, in modern day conspiracy like <laughs> QAnon and stuff, they're totally fucking all over. And you're like, holy shit, they're just like, they're just resuscitating Recycling, for recycling, sure. urban the, legends. Yes, yeah. it just yes. it blows the mind to the to the point where it's like, did your great aunt watch an old episode of One Step Beyond and tell you about this fascinating story she saw on TV, and now it's in the back of your head? And so when you become an adult, you know, my aunt told me this story about this guy that you know created gasoline out of water. And it's like, well, I grew up hearing that story all the time. <laughs> yeah, me too. That and the carburetor that you know lets you go a hundred miles a gallon. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah, all the stuff. So anyway, so one step beyond. Nineteen fifty. It actually debuted nine months before Twilight Zone did. Oh. Hmm. Nineteen fifty nine. Interesting. Yeah. Did so. you find that interesting? Maybe you'll find this interesting. News you don't give a shit about. No. Oh. 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 Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have the worst reaction to the news. It's very moist. <laughs> uh, news you don't give a shit about. The uh, James Gunn produced 
19, uh, 19, 2019 supervillain horror movie Brightburn is getting a sequel. Uh, the first film is a Superman-inspired horror story which centers on an alien child who crash lands on Earth, but instead of becoming a hero, becomes a murderous villain. It was recently reported that the H Collective, who produced Brightburn, is going to be launching a new company called H3 Entertainment. The company is said to be incorporating new technologies such as the metaverse, Web3, and our artificial intelligence into their upcoming projects. What? Uh, Brightburn is listed as one of the projects they will be developing with AI. Uh, no uh. details on the production timeline, but the sequel is in the works. Uh, Brightburn, the original, was directed by David Yarovsky Yer- and written by Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn, the brother and cousin of James Gunn. Uh, no word on if any of the original team will be involved in the sequel. So... Why here, do they here we need go. to be? They're just going to have ChatGPT write it. <laughs> and star in it. Yeah. And score the music for it. And do the marketing for it. What I do love about that particular story is they keep trying to attach James Gunn's name they to They really them. hard, really hard. Yeah. I think he produced it, right? He did. He produced the original Brightburn. So, but they're really trying to shoehorn him into this particular version of it. It's like, he's busy doing other things. Yeah. I enjoyed the original Brightburn. I, I thought it was a fun I kind of did too. Yeah, it's like if you want your e- if you want your evil Superman, he's out there. Just leave him out of the mainstream. But what could the AI? What, did it say what they're going to use the AI for? If it's to write it, you know, boo. Uh, uh, to write it is my understanding. No. Yeah. <sighs> what else could they use it for? I mean, I guess press could... releases. Well, yeah, that's actually true. There's the only one reason why that article is even around right now, and it's because they're trying to minimize what the writers are doing with their strike. Yeah, they're trying to to minimize the role of the writers in the creative process, which when they're the most important thing. Which the irony is, this is just going to add fuel to you know the writers going see, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and it's this stupid notion that like the the executives seriously do think that AI can write a, a script as well as writers, and the one or two times that they've experimented with this, it's failed miserably. Oh, it's see, horrible. See, I, I mean, it's hilarious. But I, don't, it's I don't agree with this, Jeff. No, not at all. I think they're only doing it because AI is the flavor of the week. If this yeah, was I released agree. two years ago, this would have been an NFT movie. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I, I think it's them that hey, AI is all the rage. What's going to get us the most buzz on this? Well, why don't we get AI, at least those two letters involved in this in some way? Mm-hmm. That could very well be too. Now, I think the strike would play into the whole flavor of the month because you know everyone's talking about that in writers. But I agree, Todd. I don't even think it's it's uh, producers like now's the time to show the world. This is just like ah, eh, you know these. This is what everyone's talking about. Let's uh. Let's get those stupid podcasters to talk about our impending movie by mentioning AI. And it's like, who the fuck's going to fall for that anyway? <laughs> who's going to put it in this category? And that kind of segregates into the next news you don't give a shit about. Uh, Yay. The Coca-Cola Company has revealed a new flavored soda that they're releasing as part of their Coca-Cola Creations line. And this new flavor was created by AI. <laughs> what? The flavor is... Is it, is it just water? <laughs> the flavor is called Coca-Cola Y3000 Zero Sugar, because that trips off the tongue. Coca-Cola is inviting fans to, quote, 
Imagine what the future tastes and feels like with a limited edition drink and new AI-powered experience, unquote. See my note in the last story. Coca-Cola Y3000 Zero Sugar was, quote, co-created with human and artificial intelligence by understanding how fans envisioned the future through emotions, aspirations, colors, flavors. Sugar. (laughs) More. Fans' perspective from all around the world combined with the insights gathered from artificial intelligence helped inspire Coca-Cola to create the unique taste of Y3000, unquote. So around the world? People from around the world? Is that what you just read there? Uh, it's, yeah. Damn, yeah. So it's going to be like Beverly, but I, I hope so. more sugar? Yeah, but please. <laughs> sure, Beverly. I'll take it. Or, or as, we, as we call it, tonic. You know what? It sounds like an AI wrote that. That bit of marketing <laughs> does, doesn't yeah. it? Here's See? what they, here's Press what they releases. did. Here's how, the, here's how the AI did that, uh, b- helped build this this new soda. They went to chat GPT and said, hey, give me the formula for a new flavor of Coke. And then it spit something out, and they made it. And that's it. Yeah. People make this big push about, oh, AI this and AI that. Look, I'm a marketing guy by trade. That's how I make my, my money. And I've had to become a bit of an AI expert for just for marketing stuff. That's it. And there's this huge conference going on right now in Vegas, uh, which I am not going to because it's going to be a bunch of the worst people in marketing, a bunch of douchebags I don't like. Everybody in marketing is a douchebag. Yes, but I'm, except I'm, for me. I'm looking at one of them. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, right. Um, and they're all Evidence. talking about AI, how they can use AI, leverage AI, this and that. Da, 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 da. At the end of the day, it's just AI writing stuff for you. Yeah. It's, That's it. It's a way to replace employees with <laughs> I use AI to when I'm writing a piece of copy which doesn't happen that often these days but when I have to I'll use it to kickstart it so I'm not looking at a blank piece of paper yeah. but then I gotta make it my own and that's most of what people are using it for except the people who are really pushing it to build their own code and to build whole scripts those people or, are or mm. To respond to discussion prompts on a Canvas page in an introduction to theater <laughs> class. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Did Uh-oh. you receive oh, some? Oh. Okay, for our listeners, uh, Professor Biggs is called that because he teaches theater. Tell and the he's... story. Tell the story. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, this is, this, everything, so, everything stops for this. Yeah. So, so Canvas is a tool that we use on online classes, which is what this class is. And at the end of each discussion page... I will have usually about four questions, and I basically say to, you know, for you to get credit for this discussion, you have to answer at least two of these and reply to two other students' things. Again, to keep the discussion going. So the first first thing out of the bag, the student posts this thing, and I'm reading the first one, and, God, I forget what the actual question was, but it was this nice measured response. And I was like, Okay, that's that's pretty good. I go to the next one, and it, and it was asking for opinions, and the response came out from this allegedly from the student. Well, as a large learning model, I don't really have I don't really have a bunch of opinions, and I was like, wow! So, so, so the guy just he didn't even edit it. He just posted what the Chat GPT wrote. 
And and so so my response to him was, dude, did you really just chat GPT this entire thing? Try again. Use your own opinions. He dropped the class. <laughs> but wow. I, just, I was like, really? You left in as a large, large learning, learning model? model? On a related note to the, uh, the Coca-Cola Y3000, I have a bottle of it, and we're all going to get to try it here soon. Ooh. Oh, I didn't bean, bring it today oh, because damn it. I meant to, but, uh, you know, well, things happen. Jeff, maybe you can um, corroborate this. Then. I have the regular version. Does it taste not, like not plagiarism and electrons? Not the zero sugar version. <laughs> so this is the description, the uh-huh. model. This word salad, tell me if this, this tracks. <laughs> Quote, uh, Coca-Cola Y3000 Zero Sugar sports in an equally futuristic and optimistic visual identity co-created with artificial intelligence the design showcases liquid in a morphing evolving state (laughs) communicated through form and color changes that emphasize a positive future a light-toned color palette featuring violet magenta and cyan against a silver base gives a futuristic feel the iconic Spencerian script features... Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold the phone. The what? Spencerian script. What does that mean? Features a connected matrix with fluid dot clusters that merge to represent the human connections of our future planet. Unquote. Jeff, did you get that? No. Okay. Not even close. Wow. It's like a baby blue label with, like, (laughs) colors on it. As a marketer... Oh, man, I am clapping for this machine. That is some salad, baby. Ooh, that's a cob salad. Now, consumers can scran, uh, scran, can also scan or scran. Scran. We can, we can, we can do this like Trump. We, they can scran or scan it on a pack QR code to access the Coca-Cola Creations Hub where they can filter photos through a custom Y3000 AI cam to envision their current reality, what it could look like in the future. Is, is Spencerian, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-I-A-N? Yeah, yeah. So Spencer as in Spencer's Fairy Queen? Spencer for hire? As in a handwriting style that was used for business correspondence and taught in schools in the 19th century. <laughs> it's elegant and flowing and uh, was designed uh, uh. to be quicker and easier to write than other scripts there of go. the time, such as English Roundhand. So it's cursive. There you go. Yes. All I've right. never heard cursive applied to a soda. Well, <laughs> what was the other one? A visual identity? Yeah, yeah. For a so- that's, that's the visual identity. I Futuristic love... and optimistic visual identity. Optimistic. I, oh, yeah. hmm, this soda tastes optimistic. Really? I love when people misuse... Uh, uh, adjectives like that. Well, you know what? These same people, they rate wines. Jeff, I, I really look forward <laughs> to you bringing this bottle to the show for us to try. Uh, because so far, all the special Coca-Cola ones they've done so far have we, been horseshit. We've tried a couple of them on here. They've all been pretty yeah. terrible. I'm waiting for... I want to get Spencered. Well, so, yeah. look at that bottle. I'm optimistic. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, it's just baby blue with a bunch of other colors on it. I yeah. don't get any wow. of what they're saying in that script. It's very Spencerian. <laughs> yeah, it's elegant and flowing. This Hey Dumbass, You're on the Radio, Not Television moment was sponsored by Mad Martron. Remember, mm-hmm. kids, we can't see shit, so make a goddamn noise <laughs> and speak into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to you. Oh, well, Thank you, I, Mad you Martron. You know what I will when my microphone's not turned off? 
That's for that's for our safety. Oh wow! Thank you, Mad Martron, Kofi member. Thank you for your ad. Yes, yes. <laughs> see, see, guys, see how simple it is. Send in an ad. How hilarious! <laughs> Weekend geek. Hey. Okay, this one, because of the person that's behind it and the nebulous nature of the whole thing, I honestly didn't know where to put this story. It could have gone in either section, uh, but it definitely is worth talking about. After trying and failing to negotiate with DC Comics in good faith, Bill Willingham has put his comic book series Fables in the public domain. Fables ran on DC's vertical, imp- vertical Vertigo imprint from 2002 to 2023. In his Substack post, Willingham explains that after 20 years of working with DC, quote, the honest men and women of integrity who began the relationship were released by a revolving door of strangers of no measurable integrity, unquote. Oof. As a result, when he needed to work with the company, DC would, quote, interpret every facet of our contracted ways that would only benefit DC Comics and its owner companies, unquote. So, he's giving the comic to everyone by putting it in public domain. Uh, Willingham explains that he could not afford to sue DC and grew exhausted attempting to get them to live up to the letter and spirit of our longtime agreements, unquote. Over the past 20 years, the company, he argues, consistently violated their agreements. He says DC failed to seek approval on his new books or third-party releases and attempted to trick him out of ownership when they approached him about doing a 20th anniversary book. The company also failed to protect the property from third-party releases, notably Telltale Games, which would, quote, alter the characters, settings, history, and premises of the story, unquote. DC was also under no obligation to pay him for third-party releases because the license wasn't anticipated in their original agreement. And mirroring other entertainment industry labor disputes, DC failed to pay Willingham his royalties in a timely manner, leaving him to seek them out. Uh, Willingham says he cannot publish more fables without DC, but the public didn't sign any such contract. He continues, quote, If I understand the law correctly and be advised that copyright law is a mess, per purposely vague and murky, and no two lawyers, even those specializing in copyright and trademark law, agree on anything, you have the right to make your own fables, movies, cartoons, publish your own fables, books, and manufacture your fables, toys, and do anything you want with your property because it's your property. And don't you don't have to get my permission, but you might get my blessing depending on your plans. You don't have to get DC's permission or the permission of anyone else. You never signed the same agreements I did with DC Comics, unquote. Now, DC released the following statement. <laughs> The fables, comic books, and graphic novels published by DC and the storylines, characters, and elements herein are owned by DC and protected under copyright laws of the United States and throughout the world in accordance with applicable law and are not in the public domain. DC reserves all rights and will take such action that DC deems deems necessary or appropriate to protect its intellectual property rights. Unquote. So is it in the public domain or not? We don't know. When can I release Fables, the adult diapers? There, there's two minds. Well, tomorrow, but, you know, be prepared for a letter. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, two minds of this. One, I'm not sure he has the ability to do this. We can't know unless we actually see that contract. Right. It's, it's possible that he doesn't own it in that regard. 
DC might own these characters as they are. The other side of it is, if, if you haven't read Fables, it's a bunch of public domain characters in a specific <laughs> setting. So you kind of own those characters already, everybody. If, if you want to do a modern take on classic fairy tales, which many people, TV shows, movies, and comic books have... You could do that already. But the yeah. universe is very specific yes. to fables. Yeah, Fableville or Fabletown. Jack of Fables, Fabletown, the, the specific characters and their interactions with each other, the way, you know, the adversary, all of that. I, I love fables. Um, thank you, Ralph, for turning me on to that. Uh, <laughs> that's specific. So is that covered under copyright? Probably. That's what DC says they claim that you can't do anything with. And that's what Bill William is saying that you can do something with. I got a feeling this is going to go on for a little bit and we're going to hear more about it. And yeah. I'm very happy to hear it. What what will likely happen is that somebody <laughs> somebody will missiles of October this and uh, ignore DC's statement and only go with Bill Willingham's statement <laughs> and create something in the fables verse. Wait for DC to sue them and go, okay, good. I got deep pockets. Let's go. And then we'll find out. Just yeah, exactly uh, how this most does likely play. that's what's going to happen. But uh, I mean, it could be like Fables, the candy bar. Because <laughs> I know, like, in the music industry, you frequently have uh, people that write their own music. They'll own the music itself. But if they don't own, like, their master tapes, whoever their distributor is, can print new copy. Well, they don't really print anymore because of <laughs> all the streaming, but it used to be they could print as many CDs as they want or they could sell that to others because they own that particular version of the recording. Hence the Taylor Swift remasters. Yes, exactly. That's exactly why Taylor Swift went through and re-recorded all of her music because she still retained all the recording rights. And then with the new master tapes that she owned, she was able to distribute and basically dilute the value of the original masters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, this could be a very similar situation where he owns the characters, he owns the story setting, but because DC published a version of it, they own that specific version, whereas he may still own... Right. He well, may... technically not anymore. Yeah. Because if he did own it, it's in the public. Well, domain. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish Legal Eagle, the YouTuber, mm -hmm. would talk about this. Yeah. He might. Maybe he might, will. yeah. This or maybe be... he's busy thinking of uh, great uh, products like Fables, the horse laxative. <laughs> so, Fables, the roof shingles. So here, next year was, <laughs> was supposed to be uh, kind of a, a big test of copyright law and Disney. Right. Because Steamboat Willie uh, on January 1st Mouse, yeah. goes into public domain, theoretically. However, I just found out about an interesting wrinkle to all this. Trademarks do not expire. So therefore, and the way I found this out is, there is an entity called Edgar Rice Burroughs in Incorporated that actually owns the, copy the trademark to Tarzan, John Carter, Pellucidar, et cetera, et cetera, all those things. So therefore, if you want to write a new Tarzan story, you still have to go through Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated because they own that trademark. 
Hmm. Yeah, there was a movie company in Thailand that took one of the first Conan stories to enter the public domain, and they actually made a movie based on the story, but they couldn't title it Conan, Conan the Barbarian. They did things to avoid various uh, trademark stuff. Mm-hmm. I still think they there was legal issues. It, uh, I think it's only available in bootleg in the U.S., mm. So there are people who are experimenting and playing around with public domain and things supposedly going into the public domain. But trademark and, and different aspects of IP law definitely allow corporations to yeah. swing around that and, and go against what the founding fathers. <laughs> well, yeah, over the last 40, well, 50 years, they, they've definitely skewed the copyright laws yeah. more and more towards corporate entities as yep. opposed to like, the creators of said material yeah i mean uh you know based on the copyright law that existed in 1927 or 28 when was steamboat willie 28 um that should have gone into public domain what was it 56 years later yeah something like that because because they got 50 years plus no no it's life plus it, uh, it was the way it was originally the way it was written in that time is you got 27 or 28 years, I can't remember which now, and then the option to renew for another 27 or 28. So somewhere either 54 or 56 years, it should have gone into public domain, but they rewrote the copyright law. Right. <laughs> Fables, the pizza cheese. And interestingly enough, Fables, Disney the cat food. was one of the major entities that mm-hmm. got that copyright law changed. Yep. Fables, and the Warner, lawn care service. And Warner Brothers. And yep. Oh, yeah. And any any movie company that had movies done in the twenties and thirties was like, no, no, we can't have we can't have Frankenstein and Dracula go into public domain. <laughs> Fables, condoms. <laughs> Try big bag wolf condoms, folks. <laughs> big bag wolf. Well, it's a condom. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. That was a very Trumpian creation. <laughs> And, and and marketing Barry can't appreciate. It. Yeah, yeah. They're not all winners. Mine were all losers, honestly. Wow. Du- Director Darren Aronofsky has offered a first look at the next movie, which is described as an immersive sci-fi experience. The film is only set to screen in one theater, but that theater is home to the largest screen in the world, and it's in Las Vegas. The movie is called Postcard from Earth, and it's a part sci-fi story, part nature documentary, and was specially commissioned to screen at the MSG Sphere, which opened in April 2023. Uh, The project is a, quote, immersive and innovative exploration of planet Earth through the eyes of two human beings, unquote. The screen is the size of four football fields, and they wrap around and over audiences. The screen also boasts the highest LED resolution in the world, and the venue sits up to 17,000 people. Aronofsky shared a video on Instagram and wrote, quote, First look of the 18K, 60 frame per second largest screen on the planet featuring Postcard from Earth, premiering October 6th, only at Sphere Vegas, making a half petabyte experience. Filming on every continent, a love letter to Mother Earth has been incredibly rewarding. We are just finishing up the mix and its next level with 160,000 speakers. Postcard is a journey, and I can't wait to share it with you all. 
My iPhone can't come close to capturing the definition on the screen. At times, you forget where you are, and you're transported to the other side of our home. So it's not unquote. a movie. It's a. It's one of those. It's the new IMAX. Yeah. I uh, I went or, to one of those Om- Omnimax. Omnim- thank you, Omnimax. <laughs> <laughs> Which used IMAX film, so you were not wrong. You were not totally. I was pretty wrong. Yeah. So it's like a nature thing, but it's like an experience. You sit and you you're there. You're I, in some Africa, sci-fi you're stuff. I saw yeah. that clip. I, I I don't know what to make of it because I mean MSG sphere. I I didn't realize that the interior the entire inside is covered in the leds i thought it only went like a certain percentage of the interior but it's like could being completely surrounded by yeah a video screen and the the flavors are very intense the flavor yeah <laughs> the flavors <laughs> the melding is it yeah. scratch and sniff is it is it yeah, MSG. msg oh shut up <laughs> oh, oh, i like how i, I like how that. monsieur little chef he did not get the joke yeah we oh, Monsieur, he doesn't have the rat pulling his hair anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. is it like Melody Sheep's thing, the guy who did Symphony of Science, where he, he does science, uh, uh, these these epic journeys through space and what will be the future with just the greatest music I've ever heard. I imagine it's like that. I'm definitely gonna have to check this out. We're, it's, we're, it's Aronofsky, so it'll have a hint of weird to it. Oh, <laughs> if you so, get a chance, check out Melody Sheep. Yeah. Probably more than a hint. <laughs> and, and and make like one step beyond guy. Take some magic mushrooms before you go. Because if it's Aronofsky, <laughs> you, know, you know somebody's gonna do that. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah, oh, freaking so out. Yeah. Now this podcast is based in Las Vegas. Uh, many of you have seen footage of the Sphere wherever you are at the wherever you are in the world. It's <laughs> the freakiest thing. However, um, unless you've been yeah. up next to it, oh yeah, there is. It's kind of like the Grand Canyon. You can see all the pictures you want, but until you're standing in front of it, it the grandeur does not hit you. Yeah, right. be- because of construction, one night I had to take an alternate route home and ended up having to drive right by the thing. And just before I got there, they lit it up and started doing some testing, and they were running all kinds of different videos and stuff on it. It's really trippy up close. Oh, Did yeah. the big giant eye follow you as you drove? No, lidless eye. <laughs> I, I, I saw sleep. that one. I saw that one from a distance, and it is freaking creepy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that night I, they were running all kinds of crazy, weird, psychedelic patterns on it. Woo! It was it was pretty crazy. It's pretty spectacular, and and yes, the the big Ferris wheel changed the Vegas skyline forever, but. Not as much as this thing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I'm glad we made up for the fact that they destroyed the black pyramid that lights the sky and with a with an ad on the side of it. It is freaking. It, it does. It does hurt. Luxor with with the big. Uh, Bet MGM. America's Got Talent. Come see it, please. Oh, uh, really? On the front of it, yeah. Mm. Is is uh, is that part of uh, MGM? Yeah. It yeah. Is. Are 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 they suffering the uh, MGMness? Oh, uh, if it's MG- are they MGM? Then yes. then yes, yes, they are. Well, I heard that like, um, what was it? What uh, you're referring to? What he's referring yeah. to is that MGM casinos just got hacked really, really bad. It's been in the news. And, Russian uh, hackers, yeah, ransomware. They got hard. Well, there were 
two entities. The other one being Caesars Entertainment Caesar. and MGM both yeah. got hacked. Caesars paid the ransom. MGM has not. Four-hour yeah. lines to, yeah. to check in. People aren't getting paid. It's a whole mess. Well, but I think Caesars paid that ransom because what was taken in that respect wasn't like operational problem. It was Whoa. their rewards program. Oh. They stole the... Uh. I, I, in many cases scans of people's driver's license as well as their social security oh. numbers so oh. they paid the ransom to try to prevent that from getting out there which is also no guarantee that it's not going oh, to get right. out absolutely not right uh and in the case of mgm it was all mostly operational stuff right it was like a, their booking system uh reservation system as well as like the, uh, the check-in credit the cards games and stuff yeah slot machines the games are, all, are out and have uh, weird messages yeah, on them sure. the billboard well, well, because lot, they're all networked now they sure. don't they can't operate the, well, the slot I, machines can't operate independently anymore they don't it's not you just put a coin in there's pull no the independence handle. yeah whatever we've got the eye of sauron and looking over <laughs> us it's really <laughs> really awesome. cool but i heard because this one guy for this magazine in L.A., he came into town for like five hours. Yeah. It was literally hilarious. He yeah. came in five hours, ran from the airport to MGM, went through there. Then he ran over to uh, Aria. Aria. And then he went to Cosmopolitan because I guess Cosmopolitan, they're in, they, they've only been recently acquired. So yes. their infrastructure was apparently still insulated. Yeah, they're still in transition. So, so yeah, their, their machines are running. They're doing okay. Hustler strip club was offering <laughs> lap dances to people affected uh, the, the by workers. The, uh, no tourists. Oh. It's like you bring in like yeah, because fuck the workers. Yeah, right? yeah. you know <laughs> you bring the in ones your, that are dealing with the stress oh, yeah. of and that having was, all these that was people. the gist of his thing. Is like they're 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 keeping things running. Yeah, they are. They aren't. Stuff is still happening, but boy, is it. It, it's a lot on the workers because especially like in restaurants yeah where they got rid of a whole bunch of worker positions because they have ordering kiosks yeah and the kiosks are fucked so they have to go back to people taking orders and there's no one to do it and there's yeah. only like two cashiers for like the entire food court or Ugh. something like that so what they're doing is having everyone stand in one line for every little restaurant and then as they get the order they run it over to the restaurant and then come back I don't know. I, I heard I, I heard four to six hour check in times. Yeah. at the casino. I read yeah. that. The, the I read hotels. that same article, and the guy put a thing. Uh, Please send me your anonymous stories about you know dealing with this. Uh, if you are a if you're an MGM employee, yeah. I thankfully avoided <laughs> that. I do work on the strip, but thank goodness I did not have to deal with with any of that stuff. Because man, that would have oh that would have been a week. <laughs> I played the fifth. <laughs> Annapurna Animation is developing a new movie called Stray, based on the video game of the same name, which was released last year. That was quick. Right? Following the success of the studio's debut feature, Nimona, Annapurna Animation is ready to launch its next phase of movies. The video game Stray puts players in control of a stealthy cat who must traverse the underground city populated by robots and mutant bacteria with the help of a friendly drone B-12. The animated movie is in active development. Other titles in Annapurna's interactive gaming roster include the time loop thriller 12 Minutes, featuring voice work of James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley, Critically acclaimed works like Florence, If if Found, and Journey 
Mythic ventures like The Pathless and Ashen and upcoming games like Cocoon, Thirsty Suitors, and Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth. Cocoon? I don't think it is a remake. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> he missed the boat on that one. I haven't played Stray. Uh, it's only recently come out for the Xbox. I don't have a PlayStation 5. And so, and that's where it originally released. So I'm hearing really interesting things about it. I, I like the idea of you're a cat in the streets in a robot world. Yeah, that's all I know. Yeah. I know. I just know the visuals are nice, and I, I saw like a brief explanation of it about a year ago, and I really haven't heard a whole hell of a lot about it. The SAG after a strike that has brought several Hollywood productions to a standstill could extend to the video game industry. The Actors Union, which has been on strike since July 14th, announced that its national board has, quote, voted unanimously to send a strike authorization vote to SAG after members in preparation of the union's forthcoming bargaining dates and signatory video game companies. It's been nearly a year since sag After's video game contract was extended beyond the original expiration date as we negotiated with the companies for critical terms sag After members need. Unfortunately, throughout the negotiations, the companies have failed to address those needs. For this reason, the negotiating committee and the national board unanimously agreed that the union should have membership approved strike authorization in hand when bargaining resumes on September 26th, unquote. Uh, even if the vote passes, however, doesn't mean strike is inevitable. SAG-AFTRA appears to be suggesting that it's merely bringing its intention to strike as a tool to heighten its bargaining power in the renegotiations. An actor strike is unlikely to bring the video game industry to the same kind of standstill as the combined strikes of SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild of America in the U.S. Disruption would be limited to acting staff rather than developers who do not have coordinated union in the U.S. Yeah, but aren't... Are voice actors sag after? Yep. Are the writers in video games? Not writers? always. I don't think they're WGA, no. Hmm. Uh, nevertheless, the issue of AI voice recreation has reared its head several times, <laughs> with actors hitting back at studios that have attempted to gain the rights to their voices or reuse them without permission or payment. Uh, last month, Smite and Paladin Studio High Res walked back terms of a contract that would allow it to continue to use actors' voices in the event of their deaths after significant backlash. So. Yeah, th- th- um, that AI voice thing, Todd. Steve and I got an earful of that. Oh. The uh, I was watching TLDR, <laughs> which is a, a news video on YouTube, and they do a pretty good job with their news reporting so i enjoy that succinct but it gets to the point and they're they're not quite sensationalist so they're the reporting is enjoyable but they have this funky thing where they talk about a subject and then they'll cut to a quote from a say a blog or from a news magazine or something like that and then a AI voice will actually read the oh no the text and there was this one thing they were talking about Belarus and the probability of Belarus being absorbed by the Russian Federation and the the, the, the AI voice kept pronouncing it Belarus and it was just <laughs> it stuck out 
so hard. It yeah. was just, man, 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 with Russia in Belarus, ba, 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 ba. And it just was like, it was That's hilarious. That's a star, right? Is this a, a cosmonaut thing? Is this... <laughs> It's interstellar. That's Polaris. <laughs> oh. <not> Polaris. <laughs> it was just wonderful, and it it, it it's so funny because it's like you know that actually sounds like a good fantasy setting. Polaris. Polaris. It and, does. You know, what's going on in Polaris? And <laughs> it was hilarious, but it was just like, oh, it's 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 just it you know it had to be AI. Who the hell pronounced Belarus Polaris? Even a TLDR is is British. So they occasionally do have some weird ones that make aluminium. Steve, uh, Barack Obama is my favorite <laughs> British pronunciation. Yes. There's another word I can't even remember the word, but it drives Steve crazy. Um, uh, but anyway, Bolaris was basil. Hilarious. That's the one that gets me all yeah. the time. No, this basil. was this like, was like it's like oh, basil it's archipelago. <laughs> oh, oh <yeah>. archipelago! <laughs> yeah, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that one. It's like, do they really? Do they really? I. Then again, I don't know if I've ever heard a British person say archipelago, so I don't know. I, I think my favorite was Vanilla. Huh? <laughs> what? Vanilla. For vanilla. Yeah. How the fuck? <laughs> no. Two L's. No. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, herb. Okay, fine. I see what you guys are doing there. Vitamins. Yeah, I can get behind that. All right, all right, okay. Sure, sure. But Aluminium, yeah. sure. If you're gonna misspell it, you might as well mispronounce it. Yeah, well. really. But even when they say color, you can hear the U. Color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, dude! It, archipelago. <laughs> like I say, great. when he was president, and I would be listening to BBC World, Barack Obama. It's just like, really? Nobody's. And and I was actually doing a show with a British woman. She goes, "Well, how is it pronounced?" I go, "Barack Obama." How can you be in this country for as long as you have been and not not hear Barack Obama? These are the same people three, who four, five hundred times a day. These are the same people <laughs> who call Nevada Nevada. And yeah, that yes. drives me insane. Barack Obama is the guy that runs the neighborhood motocross slash wrestling behind the yeah. motor park. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and Obama, that's a good Irish name. <laughs> yes. He's a good Irish boy. His name is Barack Obama. I, th I think my favorite Obama. encounter with AI voice before it was ever really called that uh, was a selling point on the original Kindle when they released it. Back oh, when the Kindles yeah. had keyboards oh, on yeah, them. Yeah, it, they, One of the selling points was that, hey, every book is an audio book with Kindle. <laughs> Just hit the button and they automated voice. We'll read the book to you. It's, yeah. I remember you trying that out. It was <laughs> oh, just, my lordy. The, the, yeah. the amount of mispronunciation. It was, was the best of days. It was the worst of days. It was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. It was the best of teammates. It was the worst of teammates. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some red light, green light. Red light. Pat Sproul is now uh, dancing somewhere. <laughs> All right, I bring this production meeting of Done the Right Productions to order. 
I have four more pitches here. Each one of you gets one green light and one green light only. And we have to pass something. We have to put something forward for our television production company. So we have four pitches. However, be aware that one or more of these may be fake. The titles of the pitches are You Don't Own Me, Gold Rush, Muffins of Valor, and 007's Road to a Million. You can tell oh. we got great ones. <laughs> the first one, You Don't Own Me. CBS Studios is heading into development for You Don't Own Me, how Mattel v. MGA Entertainment exposed Barbie's Dark Side, a 2017 book from Orly Lobel. The story chronicles the business rivalry between Barbie and Bratz doll lines, as well as parallel stories of the franchise's two creators, Barbie's Ruth Handler and Bratz's Carter Bryant. The adaptation of You Don't Own Me is expected to be a scripted series, although it doesn't currently have a platform or network attached. Quote, You Don't Own Me explores the dark side of the doll wars set against the cultural revolution that Barbie spawned, the subsequent backlash, and the cutthroat high-stakes world of toys. It follows Handler and Bryant, the brilliant torture creators of Barbie and Bratz, two quintessential outsiders who create dolls that literally change the world but nearly destroy themselves in the process. Unquote. What do you think about You Don't Own Me? Well, I don't know how they're going to make that timeline work because yeah. Handler was not involved with Mattel or Barbie by the time Bratz came along. So what's going on there? And Bratz, was it that popular? Oh, yeah. They was look it? like Latin hookers, those things, those dolls. <laughs> Ugh. You just answered your own question. Well, that's right. They the were, man's got a point. They were originally called Lats. <sighs> they can't all be winners, folks. <laughs> yeah. We try things. Sometimes, but, sometimes yeah, but, they fall but, flat. But, but then the bodybuilding least... world had issue. Like, you can't, but could we at you... least have a couple that are winners? Geek shock. <laughs> sometimes it works. <laughs> when Deb's here. <laughs> they say how that goes against Gold Rush. Amazon and Taylor Sheridan are developing Gold Rush for the streaming service. James W. Marshall was an unlikely hero when he stumbled upon gold in the American River of California during the mid-1800s. His discovery sparked a global frenzy, becoming the catalyst for the gold rush. Against all odds, he fought treacherous terrain and the greed and ambition of other miners in his search for the gold that may make him rich beyond his wildest dreams. Along the way, he finds friendship, unexpected romance, and newfound determination. It's an epic adventure of a man's journey to the American dream and the discovery of a nation's destiny. Pre-production is set to begin after the strike. What do you feel about gold rush uh, and the real treasure was the friends he made along the way <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm trying to figure out the geek angle of this whole thing are there vampires involved uh, werewolves aliens it's probably as geeky as the the story one you submitted there well, Steve. Oh, well oh, hey at least wow. that had a sherlock holmes uh, tie-in i think uh i think this this will be interesting if they show the corn husks in the gold huh so what? Yeah. No? Yeah. Call I back call what? back to earlier in the episode. Yeah. Oh, it. the part that was edited out for the call oh, members? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to tell us when you edit this stuff. I he did. He did. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Gold Rush will only really be 
any good if they make it super gritty, like Sons of Anarchy gritty. Well, yeah, if they Taylor make it, Sheridan. If he, they make uh, it like Deadwood or something like that. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, help me out. Taylor Sheridan. Um, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. And actually oh, okay. a few other things that you didn't even know it was him. Yeah. He's a... Uh, He's actually uh, done more than you thought. Yellowstone's okay. got some grit. Yeah, it's got some yep. grit. Not like the, the shield and what the kind of grit, but yeah, it's got I don't grit. know. Either that or it could be like Charlie Chaplin's Gold Rush. Yeah. Just <laughs> like see him it. eating his own shoe. That'd be fun. Shut up. <laughs> Let's see how it stacks against Muffins of Valor. Muffins of Valor is you coming had me to at Muffins. <laughs> coming to Amazon Prime. Uh, with the success of Sausage Party writers Kyle Hunter, Ariel Shafir, and Seth Rogen in their crusade for a new food out of love, the love muffin, that is. In a world where food reigns supreme, two brave muffins rise to the occasion and join the army to defend their bakery from the tyrannical next-door produce shop, leading to an epic battle of culinary proportions. Muffins of Valor is a light-hearted and entertaining TV show that combines action, comedy, and food-themed adventure, explores themes of bravery, teamwork, and the power of standing up against injustice, all while serving up a healthy dose of culinary puns and visual gags. How do you feel about Muffins of Valor? This is the fake one. <laughs> it's got to be. A sausage party, that that was not for kids. Right. No. That, that was foul. And it was a lot of fun, though. I, I enjoyed it. And this doesn't sound like it. Yeah. This, again, sounds like, and the real treasure was the friends they made along with. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Wow. Barry really hates that theme. I just don't like my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at all of you. And well, finally, there's 007's Road to a Million. There's a new James Bond reality TV show coming called 007's Road to a Million. The series is hosted by Succession star Brian Cox, who controls, quote, the fate of the show's contestants as they go on a Bond-style race around the world in hopes of winning a million pounds, equaling to $1.2 million, cash prize. Among the 007-inspired destima- destinations they visit are Scottish Highlands, Venice, and Jamaica. Producers are currently looking for, quote, more dynamic duos to jet-set across the globe using their wits and general knowledge to answer questions hidden around the world. Filming is due to take place throughout 2024. I, guys, I see a Kofi tier. We send Barry and Jeff in as contestants if we hit... If we hit the 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 it, mark, yeah. If we how hit about it? Double oh seven thousand. Double oh seven double oh. So so seven thousand. Seven thousand. That's low, but okay. <laughs> All right. I think I liked this better when it was called "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego." I liked it when it was called "Amazing Race." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I never liked it. <laughs> So there you go, 007's Road to a Million, Muffins of Valor, Gold Rush, and You Don't Own Me. Where do you put your green light and you have to green light something? Vlog. Gold Rush. I think, uh, given the pedigree, now that I know what he's done, I think it'll be, like I said, it'll be a gritty take on the Gold Rush. It'll be like Deadwood, and I, I might give it a day in court. Jeff, where do you put your green? Uh, I, I think I'm have to go with Gold Rush as well. I mean, it's not really anything that I would watch, but 
it sounds like the most I don't know strongest of the the ones that we've heard so far. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the same people who watch Peaky Blinders yeah. would like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. or uh, what was that uh, the train based one? I've been trying uh, to remember. Uh, Hell on wheels. Hell, Hell on, on wheels. wheels. Yeah, that's I, what this feels I, like. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. exactly what I think. The whole time I'm sitting there listening to the pitch, I'm like. It's like hell on wheels only during the gold rush. So, And we got Captain Pike out of that, so who knows what this right? will make. Steve, so, when yeah. you put your green. Yeah, I'm going to have to go gold rush because everything else is... I mean, the first one, I'm just like, this doesn't make a damn lick of sense the way they've pitched it. Um, I mean, there there was, if I'm if I remember correctly, there was a court case between Mattel and whoever created rats mm. but how they're gonna work all the other stuff that was in that pitch into it i'm like well that doesn't make any sense so yeah gold rush is the only one that actually makes any sense and as big a james bond fan as i am i am equally a not fan of reality tv so that one is just ugh. terrible use of terrible use of ip command the k I think I'll green like double O muffins you, that own me. <laughs> I'd like that. I think that, you can get that behind the curtain in the video store. Yeah, well, that sounds very fetch. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I will also say I do know which one of these is the real one. Oh. Yeah, because I also read the same story. Hmm. The one real one? The one. So you're saying three of them well, are fake. No, I'm saying one of these for sure is real, and I know which one it is. I would go with Gold Rush. Yeah. Taylor Sheridan, he's got his finger on a pulse of some kind. And uh, I've seen a little bit of Yellowstone. I'd actually get into it, but it's on a streaming service I don't get. So I don't get. Oh, I have it. It's on yeah, Peacock, I think. Peacock. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's on Poppycock. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I would go with that because muffins. Really? Seriously? And, uh... 007. Oh God, I just hate all reality shows. There's, you're gonna have to work hard to make me want to do any, want to watch any of those. And then um, <clears throat> the other one, which you don't own the, me, the barbie. Ah, there we go. Thank you. Uh, that that almost sounds like a documentary that may have happened, mm-hmm. but as a nah, cold rush. All right. Well, that's a. Uh, Obviously, Gold Rush is what we're going to green light, so that's official. Uh, which of these do you think a fake uh, vlog? Uh, well, it's not the reality show one, because with the writer strike, they need simple <laughs> stuff right now. The Bratz one seems so boring. Uh, it's probably true. Yeah, I'm thinking the Muffin one, because if, it, if the writers that you say are involved are involved, it wouldn't be happy friendly i think it would be uh dirty and more adult so i'm gonna go with the, the muffin one jeff i also think it's muffins of valor because the other three just sound too bizarre to not be real like even the 007 one just it sounds so rid- goddamn ridiculous it has to be a real thing mr biggs the 007 one is the real one because it's been in development for almost a year at this point. It just sounded like yeah, it was see? something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheap. Yeah, but it was all it was cheap even before the strikes. So was, which one's fake, dude? I think it's the muffin one. I said it when it got pitched. I think it, I think that's the one. I think the 
I think they're, you know, that that pitch is terrible, but I think they're going to do the story about Mattel versus whoever the company is that makes the uh, brats. Brats, yeah. Command the K. What's fake? Muffins. That has Pat Spurl's sticky glaze all over it. <laughs> <laughs> that may be why he was going, whatever happened to the pitch, the elevator pitch thing? <laughs> the fake one was sent to us in by Pat Sparrow. Wow. Oh. See, I'm onto your game, Pat. And it's Muffins of Valor. <laughs> See? We know. Which we scored we perfect. Know. Which he wrote <laughs> which he wrote with the help of AI. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely well, done, well sir. Done. Well I done. I tip sir. my hat at you, sir. The other fake you one. Did tip your hat. Oh, Ooh, there's two. Was sent to us by Pat Spurl. <laughs> oh no. And it's Gold Rush. What? Oh, really? Also written with AI? <laughs> I don't believe so. Okay. Well, that was a good one. That was a good one, sir. I like what you did there, yes, Pat. You, you gave the uh, obvious one to give the other one a little tweak. That's, yeah. uh, that's a little smart wow. move there, Pat. A little rope-a-dope. I really like that. Well, now I'm yeah. a little disappointed. And if you have a pitch you want to send to us, write to us. Comments at geekshockpodcast.com. And... Uh, did Pit, I say that right? Pitches, bitches. Right, okay. <laughs> Comments but at geekshockpodcast.com. I had to stop and go, wait, was that right? And yes, it is. And in the subject matter, put pitches, bitches. That way I know it's a pitch. And then give us the body of your pitch. And let me know if you don't want me to adjust it anyway. Because if you don't tell me, I'll try to adjust it so it kind of matches everything else around it. So, uh, But if you don't want me to touch it, let me know. Don't touch and a big thank you to our Kofi members, especially our Tier 1 members, Sir Chomps, Hylian Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruin, Scoopatron, Mandy, Sour Maddie D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scully, Mr. Double Dave, Froyog Soft Serve, Gil, Matthew Bates, A. John B., Diggs McSmigs, Racerhead, Mr. Sticky Pants, and Kingvold. And of course, our Tier 4 members, Deb T., David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and our Tier 5 members, Jeff Harris, Aussie Matt, Mad Martron, Glumly, and Atomic Gumby. And of course, you, dear listener, especially if you're new and joining us for the show for the first time, uh, I hope you enjoyed it and we didn't scare you away. Or at least, Flarg didn't. That's, uh, that's <laughs> what I'm really, really worried about. So the rest of us, I'm not so subjective. We terrified you. You terrify me. Well, you know, it wasn't me who scared him away because Todd cut my best stuff. Was it, <laughs> was it your best? Quote, quote, unquote, best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you are a Kofi member, you'll be able to hear the stuff I cut out in our outtake section uh, that's uh, available to the uh, Kofi members, of course. And we will also be doing an Aftershock. It is a bonus show that we do for people who have joined the Kofi at any level. And uh, so if you want to know more about that, ko-fi.com slash geekshock. And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song's called The Burning Light. And you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our Red Light, Green Light theme writer is Justin Nozick, a.k.a. Froyog Softserve. And you can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And, of course, you, dear listener, you're the reason we do what we do. <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Blarg. With Professor Biggs. And eventually Deb. But we'll talk to you next week in Geek. <laughs> I swear she still wants to be on the show. She's just been so busy. Oh, she has. And, and But I've been chomping at the bit because we've been doing a, a special 
uh, series for Akofia members. We've been playing The King's Dilemma, where we basically run the kingdom with uh, voting with each other to see- decide how the kingdom advances. Mm. Uh, we're adding Professor Biggs into that game. Uh-oh. Uh, but we can't do it until <laughs> Deb comes back, because she's the regular player on this, too. So... But if you're at Fanix, you'll see she's still around <laughs> so, and not locked in a closet somewhere. <laughs> which we honestly we wouldn't we're, put past Barry. We're taking Barry's word on this? Really? <laughs> Trust me, everything's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> everything's just fine. Yeah, like like Deb would get stuck in a closet. You oh, know. yeah. She'd, she'd kick his ass Jesus. and like... You know, drag him out and throw him out of we, the house. We, we <laughs> joked a while ago about the like Breaking Bad and like... Barry and Deb, you know, going bad, and we were just like, and and Barry was just like, eh, I think it would take Deb a couple hours to figure out meth. <laughs> and, and then I was like, and you're the man to sell it. And he's like, yeah. So perfect couple right there. I'm okay with this. Yeah, that'll, that'll pay for your backyard. Yeah, yeah. finally. <laughs> uh, Taylor Sh- Sheridan wrote like the modern Western movie to hell or high water. And Sicario and Sicario 2. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. He's a I writer like those. for those. Interesting. I'm glad he's writing Gold Rush because it's going to be a good show. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be Pat. Yeah, but he's writing it with AI. So. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's the, the, the muffins thing with AI just makes so much if sense. If you're going to make movies with AI, go all the way. Get the music scored by AI, get the actors' AI, the marketing. Just do all of it with AI. With minimal human oversight. I want to see that. And release yeah. it to the big screen. <sighs> what a or train to freebie. Wreck. The big screen? Uh, B-I-G-G-S screen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, really, the only person who wants to watch it is Steve. Yeah, it's true. Release it on the biggest screen. Well, Steve makes. The MSG <laughs> eyeball. Full of flavor. Full of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Roger's favorite theater. <laughs> <laughs>